0: Good morning. This is Pastor Jerry and I'm recording this from my home in Newcastle, Indiana. And uh, this is a certainly uh, an unusual way for us at Chesterland to worship. But we are together in spirit and uh, after all the, the church is being held together by the Holy Spirit in our common confession of faith in Christ. But still it's a bit weird. I feel like Paul writing to Ephesians or some other mission church. uh, Writing from afar, but knowing I'm present with you in spirit. So, just wanted to say that Sandy and I are home bound for this week. Uh, Though she fears that there's going to be a mandatory uh, um, call to work. But she has several days off, and so it's a good timing for us to be together. And uh, I hope you're enjoying your time with your family as well. But, um I'll be in Chesterton next week, and so you know I'm always accessible by phone. And I've been talking with many of you this week, so stay in touch. But come, now let's turn to worship our great God and King. In uh, Psalm 100, David says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, and serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing and know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's uh, let's pray. Father, we glorify the King of Kings. We glorify the Lamb. We glorify the Lord of hosts, who is the great I am. Now we come today, Jesus, with hearts full of uncertainty and yet full of faith and full of fear, some of us but we come to the one who is our most sure hope as our anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And with you, we enter into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain into your very presence and find shalom. Lord, we come because you call. So guide us now, give us wisdom as we listen to your spirit and word and increase our faith in you. In Jesus' name. In the book of Revelation, chapter 22, the Apostle John gives us that wonderful vision of those who belong to the Lord will live in a world where pain and suffering will no longer exist, and creation will be rid of all disasters and alarms. Disease and death will be no more, and our main joy will be being in his presence, forgiven, washed, robed, and worshiping the Lamb, who is the only one worthy to sit on the throne. Jesus has already purchased our salvation and has a reservation for us in heaven. And by then we'll be in the houses prepared for us by the master carpenter himself and enjoying the wonders of eternal life with Jesus Christ and sitting down at the banquet table with the kingdom fellowship of all the nations. Wow. But that is not today. Today, we are here in the middle of a global crisis. But we're not alone. And we are not without hope. But for a world that denies and ignores God, firmly believing in lies and idols and living in growing fear, there is no such assurance awaiting them. We know and we believe that God has been our help in ages past, and we know and believe that God will help us today will get us through this unusual season. We all, believer and unbeliever, are needing His help as we make this these present adjustments. But the unbeliever has no faith. Many will be directly affected physically by the coronavirus itself. Quarantine for two weeks. Isolation is not good, said uh, God. But many will be directly affected by the economic shutdown. And that will cause a lot of stress. Many will suffer the loss of financial resources and the loss of resources in the stock market and therefore become more fearful and anxious. Now here... I am commanded by Paul to remind you that those who are rich in this present world are not to be arrogant and put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. 1 Timothy 6.17 So, as we go through this season of the coronavirus We will find many, many inconveniences and irritations with each step, hoarding and fear, and many will suffer and many will die. Even as I write, we have over 300,000 cases of people being affected, and over 300 deaths. Not to mention the, the grief on those families For those that are home in the in this shutdown, lockdown, there will be increased domestic violence, drinking and drug use, and hoarding fears, and school kids without food. This coronavirus is shattering our routines of social gatherings, and so everybody's talking. Everyone is affected. My friends in Japan and my friends in Brazil are self-isolating. There are those who are caught in places overseas and out of the way places, and can't get home. And therefore, I want to remind you that God has promised to be with us, is with us, and will be with us until the end of the age, until the day of his coming. Until that time, our brother Paul tells us that the whole creation is in labor pain, suffering all the while. The whole of creation is groaning, and waiting to see who are the true sons of the kingdom. So from his words to us in Romans 8, we have a glimpse into Paul's mind of how to think about living in this fallen world, including living in this global pandemic. Paul writes, For I consider the sufferings of the present time are not to be worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption, into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pain of childbirth together until now. Romans eight, eighteen to 22 God has given us here, in this passage, a category for the coronavirus. It is part of the creation that is still under slavery to corruption, decay, and death. This virus wants to kill and destroy, and does, and therefore, we understand it to be part of Satan's plan to destroy our faith in God, sowing seeds of doubt and unbelief. It is most likely that this coronavirus will go on testing us, trying our tempers for the, and our faith for the immediate future. So, there is need for us as believers for endurance. And this endurance is directly tied to your faith and your hope. Remember what James said? In James 1, he says that faith is more valuable and altogether more powerful to deal with these kind of uncertainties, even more than science. James 1, 2-6 Consider it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea. Peter also tells us, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. First Peter 1, 6-11 So brothers and sisters, we are being tested in order to be more perfect more mature in our faith with our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. In this season, it is a chance for us to learn how to praise God and honor Him in these distressing times in this crisis. 300,000 affected, 348 deaths so far, too many deaths, too many families losing their loved ones. And we can't be ignorant of the fact that from before the creation of the world, the Lord knew those days were numbered and that the coronavirus would be the means of the departure for those who have left us. But even so, many cannot even attend the funerals and must say goodbye at a distance because they can't congregate around their loved ones in groups. My great concern as I think about These people have gone on through death's doors into eternity. I'm wondering how many of those precious souls had saving faith. Where are they now? Surely God thinks differently about the virus than we do. Uh, For the unbeliever, he will not understand God, his ways, or how he thinks. But we can. And so again, Peter says, Do not let this one fact escape your notice, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And I think that's one of the things that this virus is going to help us see how God is bringing people to repentance and faith. Jesus knew how to deal with fear. He knew how to deal with foolishness. And he knew how to deal with those who had little faith. And he walked in a fallen world, a diseased world, knowing that his Father was always with them, listening to him, and working through him. Therefore, we understand that it is our faith and his grace that gives us the capacity to live with complexity and these uneasy questions. Questions like, where is God in all of this? What are you doing on earth for heaven's sake? And how am I to keep faith when I'm fearful and anxious? How how can I rejoice? And what am I to do? How will we make it? Well, I want to just share with you some thoughts, again, from the from the scriptures that will give us some perspective. I want to think about how are we to think about this virus as believers, and then how are we to interact with unbelievers, and how can we love and encourage each other in this hour of crisis? Well, look, first point, you've got to keep in mind that as believers, we think differently about this than the world does. And we go back to Paul. And Paul says, remember, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Add coronavirus in there. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So therefore, take your position, believer, that you are... Loved by the God of the universe who made you, who redeemed you, who watches over you. Even so, the Lord warned us that as we go through this fallen world, there will be tribulation. Did he not? And in Luke 21, he says there will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilences in various places. And the fearful events and the great signs from heaven. He taught us to be discerning. He taught us that he is the Lord reigning over all the earth that's happening. And have you noticed this? When you read scripture, how in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, how much God uses the creation and nature to speak to us. This, this means of, of communication has been lost by the world. They don't understand the connection between nature and nature. As, as God's uh, creation and how he uses it to communicate with us. Notice how often Paul talked about God, the creation of the cosmos. It was the created order that God used to communicate his invisible attributes, his power, his authority, his creativity, his beauty. God uses nature. He teaches us through it. He speaks to us in the storm, and by it he provides for us. That's why we can find in Scripture our calling to care and protect all that which he has created. Job said it this way, Job 12, 7-10. Ask the animals, and they'll teach you, or the birds of the sky, and they will tell you, or speak to the earth, it will teach you, or let the fish in the sea inform you. Which of all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. David said it this way. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Noah knew that as he watched the rains and the flood rise. Adam knew that as he saw the earth dry up and create the famine. Moses saw the winds part the Red Sea. Jonah knew that. His sailor friends knew that. Even the fish that swallowed Jonah knew that. Jonah says, 1-4, The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea. And there was a great storm on that sea so that the ship was about ready to break. Well, God uses nature. Job knew that. Stand and consider the wonders of God. Do you know how God establishes them? And he makes the lightning of his clouds to shine. Do you know about the layers of the thick clouds and the wonders of the one perfect in knowledge? Well, the Old Testament characters understood that God uses nature. Luther, Martin Luther, also believed that. One day when he was coming back from his place near Stoddingham on July 2nd, 1505, the uh, law student was transformed into a lowly monk searching out for God's grace. He uh, was coming back along the road in a rainstorm. And uh, in the rainstorm, a lightning bolt came right by near him and threw him on the ground. And he immediately got up thinking, God had been speaking to me. And he prayed, St. Anne, help me. I will become a monk. 3 years later uh or, sorry immediately then he got up and uh, went into the monastery which was a struggle between him and his father but he dedicated himself to a monastic life in order to do the good works to please god cleanse his conscience and to serve others through prayer for their souls even so luther had no peace But he understood that God had sent that lightning bolt to get his attention. Well, people know that God uses nature. Jesus even knew that. He said that even if my people kept quiet, the stones will cry out. Even the winds and the seas obey him. In Luke 8, the storm created a situation where the apostles were in danger of drowning. And this created anxiety. Master, Master, they cried, we are perishing. But Jesus was asleep. In like manner, the various storms that we face have this have that same anxiety producing ability and create worry in our minds as well. But Jesus warned, Jesus warned us that this anxiety will choke us out, will choke us and choke us. We'll get choked by the cares of this life. Well, Jesus also taught us how to deal with such anxieties. Even when we are afraid, we must learn to trust in God no matter what. No matter what. And the disciples came away saying, If the winds and the seas obey him, what manner of man is this? What manner of man indeed? He is the Lord of glory. So, we need to listen to the Lord. We need to hear him say, consider the lilies of the field. Consider the birds. God is in control of nature. But, we can understand that. We can have faith, but not everybody does. So, as we interact with unbelievers about their faith or lack of faith, how should we how should we interact? Well, you we need to understand that there's a difference between those who doubt and those who have unbelief. One is a matter of the mind and intellect and the other is a matter of the will. Doubt is difficulty in understanding, but unbelief is disobedience and resistance to faith. There is a man named Ron Reagan, Jr., who said that uh, faith will fade, religions will flower and vanish, but reason, ah, reason remains. Reason is where I put my faith, if you will. Reason is where I stand, and I am happy to stand there with you. Well, in this mindset, there's no place for God, because science has replaced faith. There's no place for God until we reach the end of our science, the end of our knowledge. And if there's no place for God there, then it's absurd to reasonably think about having a God who can participate and speak to you and speak to creation and bring peace and meaning to a broken world. Therefore, there are people who will not be able to think think biblically about this coronavirus And they will walk in anger and fear. And they will act out of that fear because they're facing an existential threat. This is what Ron Reagan said in that commercial that's on television now. He says, I'm Ron Reagan, unabashed atheist. And I'm alarmed by the intrusion of religion into our secular government. And he urged the church and state to keep separate just as our founding fathers intended. And then he signed off as a lifelong atheist, not afraid of burning in hell. No, he's not afraid. But like those in Romans 1, he suppresses the uh, truth of God in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes have been Uh, understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. They exchange the truth of God for a lie and they worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. Well, as Christians, we want to exchange the lie for the truth of God and we want to worship the creator and honor and care for the creation rather than worship it. But there are men like Ron Reagan who will question the reasonableness of faith. And furthermore, they will have nothing to do with it. And they will reject any hope beyond this world because they are secular. That is bound to the second in this immediate time frame of this life. But that's the atheist. That's the extremist. But most people are in the category of the secular unbeliever. As we've grown in our science and the world has developed, these so-called acts of God, recognized by the insurance company, but not recognized by the secular believer, unbeliever, they came to be viewed as a natural phenomena. The world came to be seen as behaving in predictable ways, following natural laws that sometimes lead to destructive events like coronaviruses or earthquakes, tsunamis, hurricanes, and volcanoes. But in this mindset... There is no God. There's just the natural phenomena. Now, if that's true, there's really no reason to listen to a personal God who's going to be speaking into the world because we just don't get it. This is the way Ben Franklin thought. that The way to see by faith is to shut the eye of reason. And so he thought, You've just got to uh, have this uninformed, blind faith. If you're going to have faith, it's going to go beyond reason. Well, it's not the, not this tension between uh, faith, uh, faith and science, or science versus faith, but recognizing as believers that we need both. Like shoes, you need both to get farther down the road. Reason and science can only take you so far, and faith will take you so far. But faith does not replace reason, and reason does not replace faith. Voltaire said that faith consists in believing that which is beyond the power of reason to believe. And that's what we understand. If we need wisdom to have faith, then we can ask of God, said James. But if you're double-minded, you will be an unstable man in all your ways. I recently said to a guy in the hospital who was struggling with his upcoming death, thinking about life coming to an end, and I said to him that doubt can take away faith, that faith can take away doubt. This is what Corey Tim Boom said, faith sees the invisible believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. Well, for us, as we go through this time of the coronavirus, there will be people who respond not out of faith, but out of fear. And they will respond in a way that will read the Bible in a certain way that will create a panic. Many people are talking about these prophets who are talking about the end of times and reading the book of Revelation as a wake-up call for informed Christians. You've got to be careful. We don't want to be overreactive, and we don't want to be uh, naive either. But if we were just completely ignorant about what the Bible says in the end times, we may think that, well, this coronavirus is it. But they thought that way about the AIDS virus, or during 9-11, or during the bubonic plague, or other times in history. Jesus said, no one knows. No one knows. There are many end-of-the-world scenarios, according to the Bible's on eschatology, But what we understand is that, yes, that while there will be earthquakes and famines and pestilences in various places... The key focus we want to keep in mind is the activity in Israel. Israel is God's appointed prophetic clock. And as things progress in that country, we will get closer when the rapture of the church will occur and then the tribulation. But even so, this coronavirus is a signal and an invitation for us to be prepared to watch and to work and to wait to repent and to humble ourselves. Remember the parable of the ten virgins that calls for readiness in the face of uncertain times of his coming? It's the watching parable, preparing us for his coming. But for those who do not have faith in the Lord, we are reminded what he said. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body, as to what you put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air again. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Your heavenly Father knows you need these things. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field, how they grow. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothes himself like these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you you of little faith? So do not worry. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? How will we survive this coronavirus? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. And let me conclude. Your heavenly father knows. Your heavenly father knows. Your heavenly father knows that you need these things. So rest, little sparrow, fear not. The Gentiles are anxious you are called to peace. You are called to trust in a most powerful God who uses creation, who uses faith, who gives wisdom, who watches over us. So don't fear. Well, how are how are we to respond in this time of suffering and enduring? Well, don't panic, but we are to have a bold humility and a humble boldness. With bold humility, we can run to the throne of grace boldly, expecting God to meet God. Daniel 11.32 said, People who know their God display strength and take action. You may ask God for wisdom and to increase your faith and to reduce your anxiety if that's what you need. But go to Jesus. Turn to Him and trust Him. Then, We just need to be using common sense and practice the guidelines from the CDC for social distancing and washing hands and not putting other people at risk. But as we maintain our relationships by phone and texting, keep in touch. Uh, Stay in touch with me and with others in the church. I would encourage you to take the directory and pray for everyone in the church like I'm doing call people, take the initiative to see if there's something that you can do for them if you run to the store and and make those little extra efforts to uh, serve. But enlarge your sensitivity to the harm that you may cause to others if you are exposing yourself and not being sensitive to the potential that you could be used as a carrier. So stay away from any public gatherings if you can if you need to. But in all things, be bold, give thanks, have joy, and learn the lessons that God wants us to learn in this time. So have a good sense of humor. Spend time with your family and enjoy that time. If you have a chance to share the gospel of hope, do so. I would encourage you uh, to read Psalm 18 or Psalm 37 to quiet your heart. Well, so at this time... I'm going to say goodbye and we're going to play it week by week to see how we're going to do this. But I will be back in Chesterland next Friday. Until then, may God watch over you, guide you, and give you peace. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you're the one that draws us to you. You're the one that speaks to us through creation and through your word and through the family of Christ and through these circumstances. Father, give us ears to hear and faith to prepare, knowing that something is happening for your glory. And so, Lord, I would pray for those who are suffering with the virus itself, that, Lord, that you would speak to them and call them and tell them to fear not invite them to contemplate your promises for those who have lost loved ones again Father how hard this is for them but we look to you now and trust that you will comfort them and be with us in Chesterland and for all those around us be with the church to make this really a teachable and, and bold to communicate our hope in Christ Now, Father, we look to you. We have no one else to look to. For you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are the Lamb. You are our our Savior. So, Father, to you we give all all the glory, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.